Welcome to the Coot Street Podcast. This is Gary Wolf, and this is one of the, well, it was daily for most of the spring and summer, and now occasional uh, short podcasts. And today I'm talking with Nebula and Hugo Award winner and fellow podcaster, Charlie Jane Anders. And how have you been today, Charlie? I'm doing really great today, Gary. It's so lovely to be here, and it's it's actually a lovely day here in San Francisco. It's, uh, you know, as I was saying to you a few minutes ago, we, we can now breathe the air, which is really nice. And, uh yeah, it's really nice here. How are you doing? How's Chicago? Chicago is not bad. I mean, we've uh, the weather is not nearly as bad as it could have been. Uh, we have uh, actually, as of today, we have a kind of battle going on between the governor and and the mayor about whether to lock down the internal restaurants or not, which is odd because usually they're on the same page. And I think we've got a terrific mayor here. Uh, but I don't know if you followed uh, politics at all, but Lori Lightfoot came out of nowhere to win the mayoral election a couple of years ago. And it's oh, wow. Really tough. I mean, she's in, in, in one swoop. We got Chicago's second black mayor, her second, our, our second female mayor and our first gay mayor. And she she's this diminutive woman who has been absolutely uh, responsible and, and brutally responsible in keeping us away, I, away from the beach. I live a week. I, I live a block from the beach and I was not able to go on the beach all summer because of lockdowns. And it's actually worked pretty well in terms of keeping the virus down here. So I'm uh, I'm kind of pleased with the way things go here. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think San Francisco is actually doing better than most of the rest of the country. Although we keep, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I well, think... yeah, exactly. And it's in uh, the well. Anyway, the, the the question we talk about on these things, which I find interesting and fascinating, and I don't want to spoil anything you're about to say by telling you what other people have said. But I want to know what you've been reading during this. And if you're if if during the arc of this pandemic, you found a time when it was very hard to read and concentrate, and then a time maybe when you wanted to read everything that didn't have anything to do with the pandemic, or are you one of those people that just like to read all kinds of awful disaster stuff to think <laughs> that it could be worse than it is? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really been reading any disaster stuff. I haven't really been, you know... I, I feel like the last few years I've been kind of steering clear of like really d- dark, dystopian, mm-hmm. scary, apocalyptic storytelling most of the time, except for, you know, a few rare exceptions. Uh, but, you know, I've mostly been I I feel like reading is one of the things that sort of keeps me going in general. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's part of my routine. I try to read right before bedtime. And, you know, and I read uh, sometimes I'm just reading stuff that I've been asked to blurb or that I've been asked to look at. But oh, yeah. uh I've been, you know, I've been really enjoying reading recently. I feel like I've hit a stretch, uh, a uh, a stint of really good books. Um, and I like just like a week or so ago, I, I finished reading Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, which is a book I keep thinking about. Um, and I'm really enjoying. I, I loved that book so much. I thought it was amazing. I actually did an, a bookstore event with Rebecca, and we got to talk about it a lot. I just, oh, I loved the world building and I loved the characters, and it was just so uh, beautifully done. And uh, right now I'm in the middle of a couple of books. Um, I'm actually a few books. I'm still finishing the third volume of uh, Holly Black's uh, Cruel Prince trilogy, which I think has a a different uh, overall trilogy title, but that's the title Mm. of the first book. So I always just use that. I'm also, uh, Tor is reissuing uh, one of Sylvia Morena Garcia's first books, 
uh, certain dark things, and I'm reading that for the first time because they asked me to look at it and maybe give a quote, and oh. I'm loving that. It's like a really different approach to vampires. And I'm also reading a book that I just got that just came out that's uh, called Elazzo by Darcy Little Badger, which is her debut. And thus far, I'm, all, I'm still just a few chapters in, but thus far it's just so fun and great and awesome. Is that uh, Sylvia Marina Garcia thing, is that one of their kind of classic reprints that they've been doing? or? I guess it- so. I think it's... I'm not actually sure. It might be because I know that Tor is launching a horror imprint, Night Nightfire. Oh yeah. They might be trying to sort of, you know, put out some reissue some kind of horror-ish books that didn't get as much love as part of that. But I'm actually not sure what the what the uh, uh, what what the overarching thing is that they're doing here. I'm I'm, I'm glad uh, that they're bringing some things back into print. I know they yeah they, they recently reprinted the Susan Paulwick novel that just practically disappeared when it first appeared, A Necessary Beggar. And so there's oh. a, and they reissued all of uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's California novels in one huge volume. Um, I saw and, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope this stuff is doing well for them. I hope so too. I mean, you know, backlist is always tricky, obviously, but uh, you know there are a lot of books that never got the love they deserved, and uh, hopefully they get another chance. Right. Do you have things that you turn to for comfort reading? Um, you know, sometimes. I mean, I don't I don't reread as much as a lot of people. I do sometimes look back at Vonnegut. Like Library of America put out these beautiful volumes of Vonnegut's novels mm-hmm. and they were kind enough to send me a couple of those giant volumes and those are really nice cuz you can kind of go back and revisit a bunch of Vonnegut in in one go. Um, I, you know, a little while ago, I went back and reread a big chunk of Geek Love by Catherine Dunn, which is one of my favorites. Um, And, you know, I've been, I was rereading a lot of Le Guin because I did a giant feature about all of uh, her, uh, um, her Hainish novels and stories. And so that was really fun to just do like a giant with Le Guin reread. And the Hainish Um, novels are all in the Library of America now, too. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's like, that's, I think that's what I was actually reading from is they have those giant collected editions, which is really nice when you get something like that. Well, it's not only great, but because I've done stuff for the Library of America, I'm a little bit proud of their bibliographical stuff. And in the case of Le Guin, they were able to check with her to correct uh, the manuscripts. So those are actually more or less definitive editions, I think. Um, And I I know they started with her uh, Malafrenia and I think the, uh, that Eastern European, oh, um, Eastern uh, Orsinian tales, right? Orsinian tales, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. which I, I have as well. And I've, I'll be honest, I've never read those. I've, I've heard that they're really cool, but I've, I've never I'd, quite I'd, I'd never them. read them at all. But it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd never read them until the Library of America thing. I'd read some of the stories, I hadn't read the novel. And it's really interesting in terms of what people now call world building because it's a complete world, except it's actually just Europe with an imaginary country in the middle of it. Right, 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 right. So it's it's not a, it's not a fantasy, but but there's this epic scope to it. The, the stories cover centuries of Orsinian history, and you um, end up with uh, a, a sense that you've visited a fantasy world, even though it's not fantastic at all, really. Right, right, right. yeah. I mean, it's people were saying that. The, I was in a conversation the other day online where people were saying that about like there's a few other secondary worlds where there's really not a lot of magic. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's still a secondary world, and it still feels fantastical. Well, the third thing we want to talk about is what have you got uh, that we can look forward to? Yeah, I mean, so um, obviously the main thing that I'm super excited about of mine right now is is the Young Adult Trilogy. Uh, the first one comes out in April, Victory is Greater Than Death. I handed in a draft of the second one 
in mid-September, and I can uh-huh. already kind of tell that it's going to require a certain amount of, it's going to require a lot of work to rewrite it. And then the third one, I'm actually just trying to come up with a very detailed outline so that I don't kind of get lost as much as I did in the second one. Um, and so that's where I am with that. And then um, I have an adult novel that I'm working on, which I'm really not talking about yet because I'm trying mm-hmm. to just keep it like as on the down low for as long as I can. So I just, it's my, it's mine and mine alone until I can finally reveal it to the world. But I've actually, this is the thing that's been good is that basically sometime in the middle of the summer, I came up with a new writing routine, which is that I work mm. on the young adult during the day. And then in the evenings I get into bed with like a glass of wine or whatever. And I work on, um, the, this adult novel and I just write longhand on the adult novel, which is how I wrote most of my novels. Mm hmm pretty much how I wrote all my novels prior to the young adult, the young adult novel. I just was started writing immediately on the computer because I wanted to kind of have a little bit more of a hmm. defined structure to it and a different approach. But uh, you, I like you, writing longhand. Do you use like fountain pens and moleskin notebooks and things like that? People have rituals like this. I know, you know, I use whatever blank journals I have lying around uh. and, um, and I, you know, a pen that like, doesn't make my hand tired after half an yeah. hour you know once that when it's got a nice grip and that isn't you don't have to press too hard the whole time basically well you seem to have a pretty clear distinction between uh ya and adult fiction some people aren't much worried about that distinction anymore and I, it occurs to me that uh uh if you go back to all the birds in the sky that could be either ya or, or adult couldn't it I mean, a lot of people said that when it first came out, and I think actually some publishers and agents uh, didn't want to deal with it for that reason, because they were mm-hmm. like, we don't know if this is adult or YA. Um, I always felt like what, uh, All the Birds in the Sky is very clearly an adult book, in part because the third-person kind of semi-omniscient narrator is very ironic from the beginning, mm. and it's kind of dealing with very adult stuff, even from the beginning, even though the tone is more kind of... I feel like the tone starts out more kind of innocent and does get kind of darker and more you know more complicated as it goes it has, on it has very identifiable young characters in it um yeah and I, and I feel like it it is a book that has crossed over to some extent and is used in classrooms some and is also i know that it's being read by teenagers which makes me super happy but i feel like young adult isn't just about like the the age of the characters or you know, even the age of the people necessarily reading it, it's it's a it's a particular format. It's a particular type of book. And I feel like All the Birds in the Sky would be a failure if it was judged as a, as a YA. And actually, my first book, Choir Boy, which came out in 2005 on a very on a small press, um, mm-hmm. was also kind of cross marketed as YA. And I feel like it was a book that uh, was didn't was not at all um, in, the you know, it didn't work as a YA at all. And oh, yeah. It got a lot of pushback. So, so, so I, I guess YA is kind of uh, conceptually different from, I guess, from the writing point of view. Of course, YA, to my mind, has always been a marketing category rather than an actual identifier of who reads the books. Right, for sure. I mean, I feel like the YA market is a lot of adults as well as teens. Yeah. And um, part of what made me want to write a YA is that I felt like in the past like five years or so, YA fiction has really become much more, you know, adventure oriented and much more just like the kind of thing that might have just been written as a as a mass market paperback back in the day for, you know, all ages, including adults, is now published as YA. Well, somebody pointed out if you if you look at almost any 
Um, you're right. Science fiction paperback prior to 1970, most of them could have been marketed as YA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, and I think that, yeah. And by the same token, you can't stop kids from reading uh, novels that are meant for adults. I mean, one of, one, one of my test cases is, uh, believe it or not, Stephen King's It. I mean, it's full of very young characters, and, you know, about half of the novel uh, seems to be directed toward those young characters, toward young readers, and young readers read it, and yet it's not in any sense of the way uh, a, a, a YA book, and especially the problematical stuff that happens toward the end, which is fortunately not in the movies. Right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, most kids can handle a lot of really adult stuff, and, you know, a lot of people I know, I guess myself included, you know, part of our formative experience was seeking out the books that adults thought were too grown up for us. And then, you know, exactly clandestinely reading them or whatever. I did an article several years ago on, uh, on autobiographical uh, stuff that science fiction and fantasy writers had, had written. So I looked up a bunch of memoirs and almost universally, there was some battle with parents over getting into the adult section of the library. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because uh, almost everybody was was reading beyond their prescribed uh, level, and it's uh, uh, and, and you're right. If if somebody tells you you can't read something, you'll find a way to to read it. Right. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. So, but anyway, it's been great. We're we're past our ten minute mark, as as I always am. I think if <laughs> at this point, if if I had one of these ten minute podcasts that actually lasted ten minutes, I'd feel it was a failure. Uh, but it's been great chatting to you. Chatting, lovely with chatting with you. And okay. uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was so nice. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to chatting again soon, hopefully in person sometime in 2021. Sometime in 2021, we'll actually be in the same place at the same time. I hope. I, you know, I really hope so. And then in 2022, I'm going to be in Chicago for Worldcon, which is going to be awesome. Absolutely, and that's only about a mile from where I live. Nice. Uh, so well, that'll that's be fun. Very convenient. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Great to talk to you. And again, this has been uh, talking to Charlie Jane Anders on the Good Street Podcast. Yay. Thanks. Okay. Bye.